Today's scripture reading comes first from Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 7. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat what they produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. And from Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40, he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Elise. Good morning. Well, it's been six weeks. Uh, I'm a little rusty. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, it's good to be back with you this morning, and uh, welcome to our television neighbors uh, who are on uh, on the virtual live stream. But it is good to be back with you this morning, and I just want to say thank you uh, for uh, your emails, your, your calls, uh, your cards, and most of all, thank you for your prayers uh, during the time as we welcomed our daughter, our second child, Naomi, uh, on August 12th, um, weighing in at a solid seven pounds. Uh, and 20, 20 inches. I think I got it right, but don't quote me. I, I just remember less than a gallon of milk, but uh, there we go. Um, but will you pray with me? God, it's good to be back uh, in person with your people here at Ebenezer. So God, we just, we just ask for your blessing upon our time together this morning. That all things that we say and all things that we do may bring you glory and may bring you honor. God, help us to truly dig deep into how we can truly love you and love our neighbors as ourselves. That's what it means to be a good neighbor, to love them, to care for them. So God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. God, you are a rock and our redeemer. And all of God's people said, amen. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, with everything you've got, and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, that was weak. Love your neighbor as... Okay, we're getting there, all right? On these two commandments hang all of the law and all of the prophets... Jesus says, these two phrases encompass everything, the entirety of the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, to love God with everything you've got and love your neighbor as yourself. For the past two weeks, Pastor Emily and Pastor Monica have been shedding some light on this commandment from Jesus and how we are to neighbor and how we are here for, how we are for you, how we are for our neighbors. How loving God and loving our neighbors is ingrained in the stories of the prophets of old, and yet it is still at the heart of our mission and our ministry that Christ has given us. 
This is what we are supposed to do. Love God and love our neighbor. This is how we are to put flesh on, on this commandment, this gospel, to love God with everything we've got and love our neighbors as... Two weeks ago, Pastor Emily had shared with us a, a chart. Uh, and, and here's the chart. And in case you haven't picked it up, uh, you can pick it up in the uh, lobby area or you can download it on the website. But uh, in case you haven't received it, I, I've received it. I've been filling it out. I've been meeting with my neighbors, which is kind of easier because we just moved into the neighborhood back in July. But this chart is based on this book, The Art of Neighboring by Jay Pathak and Dave Runyon. But this chart, this paper, this book helps us to take a sacred interest into our neighborhood, into our community. Helps us to figure out who those folks are that live across the street or next door or behind us. What are their names? What are their hobbies? What are their interests? But most importantly, what are their stories? For nearly 33 years, from 1968 until 2001, many folks grew up singing a song about neighbors and about being a neighbor to another. And today, just so we are clear, I'm not dressed as Jake from State Farm, even though the sermon title is A Good Neighbor, and I'm certain that you can finish the slogan for that theme, Like a Good Neighbor, Listen, they're going to send us royalty checks or advertising checks or something soon. So, um, But nonetheless, it's on the way. But like a good neighbor, I, I assume that the advertising checks are going to come. Hopefully, we're open. And even though I'm wearing khakis and sperries, I'm not dressed like Jake. Instead, I don this outfit, this, this grow, this, this garb. To remember, to rekindle the memories of a time when we were neighborly to our neighbors in our neighborhoods. Those people who live by us and live around us. Every day at an appointed time, depending on where you lived in the country, there was a time that we were invited into a neighborhood where children and people alike mattered. Where a grown-up had time for each and every person to listen, to teach, and to introduce us, his television neighbors, to other neighbors like Officer Clemens and, and Neighbor Aber and Mr. McFeely and so many more. And it, it truly showed us how we could live in a beautiful neighborhood. Amen? So what is it like to live in a beautiful neighborhood? At some point throughout our living, our neighborly neighbor neighborhoods, we have had those neighbors that we are close to, right? And then we have these other neighbors that we are kind of distanced from. There are neighbors who help us by mowing our lawns when we are sick or, or when we have surgery. And there are those neighbors who shovel our driveway when it is cold outside. There are neighbors who we invite over for barbecues and birthday parties. And likewise, they invite us for those celebrations as well. These neighbors make living in that actual neighborhood great, right? And then there are those neighbors that we're not so close to, who mow their lawns at obscene hours of the day and night, those who have neighborhood tunnel vision. And in case you don't know what I'm talking about, it's where they start out at a half a mile away from their house, they open their garage, they drive to their mailbox, they get their mail, they close the mailbox, and they drive into their garage, and they close the garage while they're still in the car. They don't want to interact with anybody. 
And then there are those neighbors who listen to their music too loud. Maybe that's you and your neighborhood. Then there are those neighbors who borrow stuff and never return it. Who even try to be mayors of the cul-de-sac, right? By peering through the blinds and watching out the windows, desiring to know what everyone is up to. And yet we are called into community with both the good and the not so good, the close and the not so close. But it goes beyond just living in community with our neighbors and it transforms into getting to know them, laying aside all of the preconceived notions that we have about them that has been built up over the years and and truly loving them and caring them and seeking their welfare, the welfare of our neighbors. And in doing so, we seek our own. In our scripture passages for this morning, both Jeremiah and Jesus are trying to right some wrongs, trying to set the record straight, trying to get folks more aligned or realigned with the will of God, the will and the way of God. And in our gospel lesson, Pharisees are trying to quiz Jesus, trying to get him to say, what is the greatest commandment? And these Pharisees are members of an ancient Jewish sect who are committed to living out all of the commandments, all 613 of them. And so they ask him, which, which commandment is the greatest, Jesus? Is it the one about not reaping the entire field and leaving some for the stranger, for the outcast, for the, for the, the one who is not part of us? Or is it the one about not gathering the grapes that have fallen on the ground? Is it the one about not, not wronging the stranger and buying or selling? Or what about Jesus? What about the, the commandment about resting on the Sabbath or eating matzah on the first night of Passover or not offering up a, a beast that has a temporary blemish? Which commandment is it? Jesus says, the first is you shall love the Lord your God alone with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might, and with all of your strength. That is the greatest. And first commandment. This quarrel had been going on for at least a thousand years back to the time of Moses. And then as Jesus so often does, he, he expounded and he expanded on that first commandment. Jesus extends it to a second facet and he says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Mic drop. All of these, all of this, hangs the law and the prophets. Jesus says that this is important. This sums up everything. These are the two commandments that I call my followers, my disciples, to to follow not 613, but one, two. My friends, this is not an oversimplification of the law or of the commandments, but instead Jesus is getting back to the basics, getting back to the foundation and the fundamentals of what it means to be in relationship with God and what it means to be in relationship with one another. Jesus says in reply to the Pharisee, the lawyer's question about the greatest, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might, and you shall love your neighbor as These two sentences are known as the Shema, and everybody in the audience of that day would would know that by heart, especially the Pharisees, right? The good rule followers. These are things that Jewish folk would repeat day after day. Love the Lord your God with everything you've got, your heart, your soul, and your mind. And then Jesus adds that second part, which they already also know by heart. Love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. Simple, direct, and well-known. Love God and love our neighbor. 
Within these two commandments, as they come together, we truly discover what God is inspiring us to do and who God is inspiring us to be. God is challenging us to love God more and to love our neighbors more. And my friends, the answer is simple. We just have to love. Amen? A little louder. Amen? Love God. Love our neighbor. The trouble, however, is within our culture and sometimes within our context because we've tried to make love a rather vague word, meaning just about anything you want to want it to mean. Jesus had clearly and more, more clearly defined what it means to love. God is love. That's what Jesus said. Jesus not only said that because he was trying to get them to know that, but it's also what they already believed, and that's what we believe too, that God is love. But Jesus embodied a very different kind of love. He gave it a very different definition than what they had already believed. Jesus not only loved as a way of bringing out the best, the greatest in everyone, but he loved by commanding us to turn the other cheek when we were struck on the one. To go the second mile when commanded by an enemy, to go the first, to forgive our enemies, to pray for those who persecute us, and to give without anticipation of return. This issue of love and care is not a new predicament, especially pertaining to our neighbors. Even way back before Jesus, even way back to the time of Jeremiah the prophet, as Elise read for us this morning, the Israelites had just lost the war against the Babylonians. And they were now being forcibly moved some 600 miles across the desert and across the mountainscape into a foreign land to be held captive there in Babylon. And through Jeremiah, God spoke and told the Israelites that they should embrace this place of captivity, that they should not long for the past. Be where you are and don't long for any of those places that you've been anymore. Find God at work in your surroundings, where you are. Make an investment in your community, in that location where you are, and that means putting time and energy and resources and heart and funds into where you are right now. Jeremiah, some 600 years before Jesus, was going to set the record straight. Much like Jesus and the Pharisees, trying to realign into the will and the way of God. And in the days that followed the fall of Jerusalem and the exiles were, were, and the exile to the Israelites to Babylon, there were other prophets, other folks that were proclaiming, hey, this exile isn't going to last for very long, so, so just give it some time. Give it a couple of years, two years tops. There's no need to unpack your bags. Don't settle in. Don't. Don't plant roots because we're going to go back to Israel. We're going to go back to the land that's flowing with milk and honey very soon. But Jeremiah says no. Jeremiah invites the Israelites to build houses and to live in them, to plant gardens and to reap what they have sown and to eat what they have sown. To get married and to have children and to let their children have children. And above all else, Jeremiah says, seek the welfare of the city. For in the welfare of the city, you will find your welfare. Did you hear that? Seek the welfare of the city. For in the welfare of the city, you will find your welfare. 
Make the community where you reside a better place by caring for the city, by loving the folks in the community, and by planting roots both in the garden and amongst your families. And by doing so, you will seek the welfare of your city and find your own welfare as well. Don't just look to your own wills or your own wants or your own desires, but look to those around you and love them and care for them. And by doing so, you seek your own welfare. You help to spark a community that is grounded in love, and that's what neighboring is all about, right? A couple years ago, I was reading some of the great Fred Craddock stories, which in case you're not familiar with his work, Fred Craddock was a New Testament preaching professor, a New Testament and preaching professor at Candler School of Theology, as well as a Disciples of Christ pastor. And upon retirement, Fred Craddock had moved with his wife, Nettie, to a quiet little town near the great Smoky Mountains in the hills of Tennessee. And they moved there to be immersed in the quiet and the solitude and after this picturesque, picturesque highlands. And, and they had lived there for a couple of years and then after a couple of years, a new neighbor had moved in. Just a couple of houses down from Fred and Nettie. And sometimes, like it is with new neighbors, there's a change in the environment, right? A change in the neighborhood. The couple of years that Fred and Nettie had of quaint sunsets and times filled with solitude and silence had now become distant memories. Because now Fred and Nettie would hear deep and loud dog barks on the regular from their new neighbors that lived a couple of houses down. And as Fred had retold the story, it wasn't coming from little, a little yappy dog, right? In case you have a yappy dog, I'm sorry. I love dogs, no matter what size. But these barks were great and loud and intense and gave the impression that you could hear this echo from a mile away. But this wasn't the only issue that Fred, maybe Nettie, but definitely Fred was having. At certain points throughout the day, it had become normal to hear multiple sets of deafening gunshots come from that same neighbor's parcel of land. Boom! Rough. Boom! Rough. After a couple of weeks had gone by, that new neighbor grace period had ended, and Fred had become so annoyed, so irate. Fred missed the tranquility. Fred missed the silence and the solitude. He missed the peace because day after day, boom, bark, boom, Bark. Finally, Fred had told his wife, Nettie, listen, listen, I'm going to go over to, to that neighbor's house. I haven't even met him yet, but I'm going to go over there because I really want to know what all this constant commotion is all about. And Fred Craddock knocks on the door of his neighbor and then the door swung open. And Fred Craddock was met by his new neighbor. And there was this man sitting in a wheelchair, both of his legs had amputated, gun in hand. And next to the man was that huge dog who was the culprit of all that lard barking. In those next moments, Fred had thought to himself, if I was in that situation, sure, I would want a big dog for protection. If I was in that situation, I might be shooting those guns whenever I wanted. It was then that he realized, Fred had realized that there was more to the story and situation of his neighbor. 
all of a sudden those issues, the, the noisy dog that was barking at all hours of the day and those guns that were deafening those gunshots, they, they didn't seem too important. My friends, how is it with you? Everyone has a story. And how often do we find out the fullness of that story? And, and when we find out that fullness, how often does our attitude and our perception change about things? Once we learn that story of another, it can illuminate the things that we all carry. and can help us to see the face of Christ in our neighbors who live in our neighborhoods. Friends, we are called to, to love the way that Jesus has commanded. And we need to be willing to push through even when things get complicated. God has given your neighbors to you, and God can use them to change your life. Amen? So this day and the days to come, when you leave this place, will you take up that ministry that you have been called? You're calling to love God and love your neighbor, and will you take that seriously? Will you try to overcomplicate that love that God has for you, and will you try to overcomplicate that love that God has for you to give to your neighbor? Will you try to pick and choose who your neighbor is or will you just love? And above all else, will you seek the welfare of your entire community, this community of faith and where you live, and pray to the Lord in its behalf? Because in doing so, we seek that welfare and we find our own. Jesus calls us to love God and love our neighbors as ourselves. Simple. Direct, profound. Let's go. May we all do likewise. Amen.